Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. If I had a time machine, I'd go back 12 months ago and change who I had at number one in my 50 most relevant. With the time machine, You'd have to say it was Jordan Dawson, wouldn't you? His 2023 was absolutely sublime, not just from a football sense, but for us that play Supercoach and AFL Fantasy. But does it change for us in 2024 as a mid only? We're going to talk about him on today's episode of the 50 Most Relevant. You got MJ here from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well. We have got less than two weeks to go in this daily countdown talking about who I think are the players we must have a conversation about this preseason as we consider what we do in our dream team, AFL Fantasy and Supercoach sides. Right throughout this series, we've been collaborating with some of the great content creators in the fantasy footy community. For some, you know and love. For others, we've been in introducing you to them for the very first time. Someone you might have listened to last year when they burst onto the scene in the AFL fantasy scene, whether it be those Sunday night X or Twitter live spaces, or when he joined us for the first time on the 50 Most Relevant last year. From AFL Fantasy Fanatics, it's Bales. Nice to see it. Not talking about your boy and Rory Laird, but his captain and teammate, Jordan Dawson. Thanks for being on the 50 Most Relevant. Thanks, MJ, mate. Always good to be on. Uh, he still makes an appearance of people watching on the video uh, with the post of the background, but uh, no, good to be here and good to be recording from Australia because if people remember last year, I was actually in America when I was doing the Elder You and Sisley episodes, but no, good to be talking about one of my boys in Jordan Dawson. Uh, keen to get stuck into uh, why he's uh, in the top 15 and the 50 most relevant. 115.8 with his seasonal average last year in Supercoach. 17 tons last year. Gosh, he was a monster in that format. Just a touch under $650,000. And his top score of 2023 was also a personal best career high score, a 173. In AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, He's a million-dollar man in both of those formats. That's due to him averaging 113.4, 16 tons last year. Not bad off your 23 games. And just like in Supercoach, the season-high score correlated across to being his top score ever. He's delivered last year a 172. Bales, we often talk about these players that if they can make their way into the midfield, they'll turn into absolutely fantasy football royalty. And I know you're a Crows man. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can very much make that out. I don't think many Crows supporters, let alone fantasy football coaches, saw the evolution of Jordan Dawson coming from a, an elite left foot, beautiful interceptor, really good wingman and halfback flanker through to becoming an all-Australian and one of the best inside midfielders in the competition, even without looking at the fantasy data. Gosh, that's one hell of a conversion into being a star midfielder in the AFL. Oh, 100%. I, I, when we first got him as a, as a recruit from um, Sydney, I didn't expect him to be this midfielder. I, I saw him as that rebounding halfback that can go into a wing and, and sort of be that guy that helps with the transition. For the Crows, obviously, with Brody Smith, obviously getting a little bit older, and, and Wayne Miller at that time was sort of still working through some injuries, and I thought this would be a good guy to replace. But when he got thrown to that midfield, I believe it was in the showdown um, against Port Adelaide, and and from that point on, I was like, this this guy's got something different about him. He's he's got that 
you know, him and Bont, they're slightly different, but they are similar. That that left footer, that penetrating kick, that that tall midfield. And I thought this guy could could be our our Bont in a way. So he, he was very good. And and as as you said before, with that that high score memory against Collingwood, and and really almost won us the game um, off his own boot. And really could have had a go after Siren if uh, if the, if an umpire saw a high free kick. But we're not here to talk about uh, talk about that. But um, yeah, he was impressive. And uh, yeah, I just expect him to sort of just go, um, sort of just continue on from what he did. Um, last year and just continue on the midfield. That 113.4 average that we talked about in AFL Fantasy had nine scores of 120 plus, five over 130, including that game that you mentioned at the MCG of a 172. Importantly, just the two scores all year under 90 and nothing below 81 in AFL Fantasy all year. By average, he's the fifth best player based on 2023 data and the fifth most expensive player, but he's top four for total points. So the Crows skipper certainly has got some scoring. While over in Supercoach, that 115 average, 16 tons, half of them converting into 120 plus score. So equally as strong captaincy consideration in that format. Four times he went 145 plus, including that 173. And just the one score under 80 all year, a 78. So, yeah, you're not too disappointed when you get him. Ranked inside the top 10 for total averages. And again, like in AFL Fantasy, he's ranked fourth for points. Is it as simple, Bales, as he moved from this more outside intercept player into the center bounce of the midfield, and that was the exact causation of his scoring bump? Or is there also a maturing of a footballer that we've got to see unfold before ours? Sometimes it can be really simple why a player evolves their scoring. Other times it can be a little more complicated than that. What, what's your read on where and why Dawson popped Probably the ceiling. We know that basement has always been so strong. But what do you see as the causation of the big scoring ceiling jump from Jordan Dawson? I think there's a, there's a number of, um, of points um, that have, have made him sort of one of those uh, top scoring midfielders. But before I turn, just would you mentioned obviously the two scores of the 80 and people probably think, oh, like he had a few lower scores there. But if you look at the games that he actually played where he scored 80, he scored a, his first 80 was in the showdown, the very first showdown last year. That was a, actually a very low scoring game. I know uh, that was a game where Laird was tagged by Willem Drew and he went low. I think there was only a couple of hundreds in that game. Um, so it was a very low scoring game in general. And then the other one was actually against the Bulldogs in Ballarat, which we know is sometimes not a friendly ground to score at. So if, if those two are different games, then he didn't score on a 90. But I know you can't just remove those two. So we'll include <laughs> them. But I just thought I'd make that point that those 80s are actually like they're hard games and are at a different ground in terms of battle. But in terms of like the, the causation you talk about in terms of why he was able to raise his, his ceiling was I think captain was one being the captain, had more responsibility in the midfield, taking over that mantle as the number one midfielder at the Crows. I know obviously he's got Laird in there and Crouch and, and, and other guys running through there, but he did become that number one guy. So leading from the front, he, he took on that burden. I think, He's also always been able to fill up all the stat lines. Um, more in defence, he was the mark, like marking guy. Maybe he'd chip him with a couple of tackles. But I remember that game. I talked to you off camera about actually when the first game I actually saw him play midfield was actually against Hawthorne uh, in 2022, where he was being tagged by Finn McGinnis, moved into the midfield, and I think he racked up about ten tackles and put up about an eighty. And I thought, well, if he can do this like without having any time in the midfield, what's he going to do for? Um, it's a full preseason midfield. And that's when it sort of thought, well, he we could be a midfielder, but um, I didn't actually see it coming to fruition. But then, yeah, just able to add those tackles, those marks, that game against Collingwood, he was able to fill up every single stat line and go massive. So I think that there's just a, just a number of uh, 
of different um, uh, things. Well, and then the other thing as well that we'll probably touch on is the Crows were the number one team for uh, stoppages in the AFL last year. So that was another thing that was able to help boost those those numbers in terms of disposals and tackles. So, yeah, I think it's a, a lot of um, factors into why Dawson was able to raise his ceiling. It's incredible. He, he only had a jump of 2.5 possessions per game. So sometimes when you think about this guy that makes this incredible ascendancy, you're like, oh, he must have had five or six more disposals per game. A couple of handballs per game is really the jump. Yeah. He actually regressed in his scoring through marks. He went down, like you mentioned, off that halfback and wing where he was getting the intercepts and transition footy. Not as much. He dropped his scoring there. Rather, the greatest statistical note of where it was um, was through tackles. He went from averaging three per game right up to 6.7, which, as you mentioned, the Crows love that contested, congested game, farming the ball out to their runners and then getting it to their good ball users, which certainly Dawson is one of those. The positive with the move is he didn't lose his floor. Sometimes your one wood can change when you change roles. His was, he was always a really good basement, really good floor. And then he'd flirt with ceiling a little bit. Now in 2023, the floor held, if not arguably elevated a touch and that scoring ceiling that some didn't think he had. Well, he found that. Importantly, he's been incredibly durable over the big chunks of his career, but since he's landed at the Adelaide football club, hasn't missed a game yet. So good news for Crows fans and good news for us that are considering him in Supercoach Dream Team and AFL Fantasy. As I do the 50 most relevant and work through players, I always, of course, I build out who I want and put them in places. But as we get closer to either doing the episodes, whether it be the video, the audio podcast or writing the article, I find myself getting either pleasantly surprised or a little alarmed at different things I find in my research. One of the things that kind of surprised me was the current ownership of Jordan Dawson. Because politely, yeah, he's a gun, like I said. Top five point scorer overall across your format. So your boy can play. But he's 17% of Supercoach teams, 17% of Dream teams, and just 12.4% of AFL Fantasy. But given the complete lack of discussion around him this free season, Bales, I was convinced I'd be looking at these ownership numbers going, he's under 10%. He's hitting unique territories. We're nearly, we're verging towards a, a relatively high number now. What's your take on the, I know ownership isn't always an indicator of start, fade or anything like that, but when I've already read you through those numbers, what's your initial take? Do you feel like that's about right? Does that feel too high? Does that feel too low? What's your take on the ownership? Yeah, it, when when you first say it, it does sound a bit high, like when, again, people are going to say, oh, you, you love talking about Laddie, but I'm going to bring him back in again. Um, it's, I've had more discussion about Rory Laird, and, and I'm not talking from me. I'm talking about from other content creators in the space. I had Stato uh, on the um, on the pod pod the other day saying he thinks Laird, Rory Laird would be his number one midfield scorer. So I've, I've heard that. I've heard a few other players. I know uh, Mini Monk has uh, talked about Laird as well. Put a post up on um, Twitter, uh, X or Twitter, whatever we call it these days. Um, so I've heard more discussion. So Dawson's the one that we haven't actually heard much discussion about. And when you say that his ownership's that high, it's it's it's, it's, it's surprising to me. And he is over a million dollars. You are paying a fair bit for him. And him and Laird are fairly close. It's what just over twelve percent for Dawson, eleven point two six percent for Laird. So they're they're fairly close. And I think people are probably going to choose one of the two just because of Adelaide's high stoppages. People want to sort of piece of the pie in terms of their fantasy team for a midfielder from the Crows. But I think Dawson's got. I'm, They've both got safe floors, but I thought Dawson's got that high ceiling. I think with Dawson in the midfield, I think Laird's ceiling is capped. 
um, a little bit. We haven't seen him go many times over 150, whereas Dawson, we've seen a few times, I assume, go over 130 multiple times. So if you are looking for that high ceiling player and the guy that probably can push the 120 average, I think Dawson is your guy because he's a captain. He's got the responsibility. He's We saw last year what he can do. But I guess that to come with that, he's going to probably cop a bit more attention from opposing sides. However, I think Dawson's a player like Bontempelli where he can fill up other stat lines. I think he can still put up a, a solid score of an, an 85, 90 plus score. And you'd be sort of, I'll take that on the chin for a week. You're probably not going to captain with a, with a potential tag. And, and sort of you move on next week, hope you can make up the 130 and, and sort of um, write that sort of sort of wrong if you, if you put it like that in your team. He is such a hard matchup. He's certainly not the fastest player in the AFL, but he's a guy that's come from that wing background. So he knows how to find space and read the play really well. It's one of the things that made him such an elite defender at Sydney. And while I was so disappointed to lose him because his ability to read the ball in flight and take overhead marks. And then what we saw last year, the development of the contested and clearance winning, as well as the defensive stuff. You're right. Even if he does get shut down with a first touch, at stoppage or at clearance, okay, he's going to be first in for a tackle. So I, I agree. Even when those tags do come, and they will come in 2024, he, you're not going to get those 60s and 70s that can cost you. Rather, you're likely to see the 80s and 90s, which certainly aren't a disaster when you get that level of attention. One of the reasons around that, though, you no, wanted to I, jump yeah, in, I was just going to say one thing about uh, Dawson is that, and I was sort of going to ask you about this. Did you expect him to be as, as tough a player as what he is? Because I certainly didn't. Because like there were some tackles last year where he'd, he'd sort of tackle him and, and not dump them to the ground, but strong tackle to the ground. And I thought this guy is a, a lot tougher than than what I think thought he was. Because you see a lot of the players on the outside, they're not. They, you don't see them transition to this real sort of contested inside sort of ball that Dawson is. So were you surprised at how tough? Um, he ended up like looking last year and, and what you expected from him. The, the thing that probably did surprise me the most is, and maybe that's what you're articulating there is there's a bit of mongrel in him. Like there's, there's a bit yeah, of fire yeah. in the belly that I, I didn't think was there. And even when you uh, heard coming out like that group text that he sent to the crows at the back of that AFL grand final, like it, it should have been us and we should be there. And you just hear and watch some of the stuff on the track. It's like, Oh, there's, there's a bit of, there's a bit of brute in this yeah. guy. You kind of like what you see through there. So I agree. He's, he's made that transition in the eyes of everybody now that clearly the Crows saw behind closed doors. Now the football public has seen is he's a beautifully rounded player. Inside, tough and hard at it at ball and at contest and at man. And then outside, you give him space. Whew, that left boot of his it is just going to leave you for dead. When we look at premiums early on in our starting squad, we're always looking at the fixture. And especially with opening round and the early buys, we're looking at premiums that are going to get us through this first six weeks, especially that have a nice fixture for us that don't have any of those early blue dot moments. Doesn't mean you can't start premiums from that, but we are looking to navigate. How do we maximize scoring through there with vice captaincy and captaincies? The good news is Dawson plays all the way through. And he's got a really nice buy. They're right at the back of the tree. So you're going to get that first 14 games in a row. Should he be fit and healthy? You're going to get Dawson every there. Um, the 2023 data gives you an indication that the matchups aren't awesome, but they're certainly not bad. Suns, Cats, Dockers, Ds, Blues, and Essendon. A couple at Adelaide Oval, a couple away from there. Well, it's not the best fixture for an inside mid, but it's certainly not a disastrous one either. With 
really no obvious big tags coming his way. I, I do expect a Hayden Young to play pretty accountable on him in that round three matchup. But is there anything that first six weeks from a fixture or opponent perspective that sounds some alarm bells for you to mean, you know what, he's not someone that'll help you through those early buy rounds? It's, it's, it's a good point you raise. Yeah, as you say, like some of those games aren't, you look at them and you think they're not they're not really the easiest games. They're not like your, your easier teams to score on. But I think Dawson's that one player that he's, he's pretty close to fixture proof, I think. I think he is in that mould of, of Clayton Oliver, Marcus Bond and Pelly. Guys like that that are just, no matter who they play, I think they can score well wherever they are. And the fact that a lot of those games are at Adelaide Oval as well, and they are at... Um, thanks the AFL uh, with a little bit of compensation with the uh, um, few primetime fixtures. I think Dawson being the captain, primetime fixture, like we were talking before about the fire in the belly, you reckon he's going to be fired up for, for these games, especially as captain after sort of missing out in the finals last year to go and go on the big stage on a Friday night against Geelong in round two for just an example there. You're going to see big captain performance from him. I could see someone like a, like maybe Geelong go. We might put a Mark O'Connor into the midfield for that game on him or, or a Tom Atkins runs with him. I think maybe Atkins maybe goes head-to-head with Rory Laird or something like that. Obviously, we've got to see how the season unfolds. But I just think Dawson is pretty close to, to fixture-proof. And as I say, I just think, yeah, with the Crows building, hopefully towards um, a whether that be finals issue or just to improve on what they did last year, I think that, yeah, I think Dawson's uh, in for another good season to build up um, some more big scores for us. The real conversation that we've not really spoken about yet through this episode, but have been building towards isn't the buy. It isn't the fixture. It isn't the ceiling. It isn't the basement. In fact, everything, it really isn't about Jordan Dawson at all. Ultimately, the key conversation we need to have that helps us decide whether or not Jordan is right for our, AFL Fantasy, Supercoach and Dream Team sides to start or to upgrade in Classic isn't actually about Jordan. It's all about Matt Crouch. And actually, it's about how that Adelaide Crows midfield mix works. There were six games and it was the final six games of the year that Matt Crouch forced his way back into that Crows midfield mix. And yes, we did see a scoring regression when you contrast Dawson to the season in totality, and Dawson in those six games. He dropped his scoring down to a 103.5 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and a 110.5 in Supercoach. But sometimes it's about the causation. Sometimes it's about the correlation. And if you don't understand either data, football, or or just honestly and politely don't know why, you can sometimes associate one with the other and misappropriate a causation effect with just a correlation effect. In those six games in Supercoach, five won 10 plus scores. So if you're a Supercoacher, you're thinking Crouch does nothing to him. And and that might be a fair assumption. Whereas AFL fantasy community go, oh, two tons in those six games. Yeah, four nineties. Okay, so decent basement. But one of those two tons was against the hardest scoring team to score against for inside midfielders. Was Port Adelaide, and he goes a 134. Bales talked about how difficult that matchup was at the start of the year, where I think you mentioned he only went an 80 in AFL fantasy in that match. He pumps out a monster using DFS Australia, who are one of the best resources going around. They will save you hours of work just using their 2023 data for inside mids they played in the next six weeks to start the year. 
Melbourne. It's a neutral matchup. Port Adelaide, hard matchup. Suns, neutral matchup. Lions, neutral matchup. Swans, moderate to hard matchup. And Eagles, moderate to easy for the first six weeks of the year. And so if you believe Crouch impacts Dawson, ultimately, whether or not you see Matt Crouch in round one, probably tells you a lot. But Bows, we know you love your crows. I might secretly as well. Um, what what do you think? Is Matt Crouch a part of this best 23? Is he a central part of the midfield moving forward? What's your take on that? Because I believe what that midfield mix looks like unlocks the destiny of Jordan Dawson in our scouting quads. Yeah, so I'll, I'll touch on two points here. So I'll first go to the, the scores that he had at the back end of last year to just sort of explain a little bit about that. And then I'll go into what I think the Adelaide midfield mix is. So, but with Jordan Dawson last year, obviously you mentioned he had those, uh, the four scores of the in the 90s and he had the 200s. But it, as you mentioned, look at those games, right? Melbourne was the MCG. Like, again, like Melbourne at the MCG, not necessarily easy to score against. And the Crows being a team hasn't played many games there. Maybe like I know that he went a 172 against Collingwood earlier. year. So that, that game is probably a little bit lower. That's fine. Port Adelaide obviously went big. Then Gold Coast, he scored 98. Um, got a 91 against Brisbane. That's at the Gabba as well. So pl- tough place to go to play football and also score some points. So 91 against Brisbane. And then the game against Sydney where he scored 96 was was that rain game. It was like very, very wet and rainy. And and I don't remember that game being a very high scoring game for fantasy either. So and then the West Coast game was sort of a bit of a game where players were it was a bit of a dead rubber game. I think it was more for like your Shoeys and your Hearns and guys like that and that were retiring that sort of to, to sort of uh, give them a good send off and, and the Crows players playing a little bit bruise free as well. So I think that that's the first one. So moving to the the sort of when Crouch came, he came around 19, that was sort of people sort of go and correlate that with when Dawson's scores went down. I think Dawson's scores going down, we saw, I think Jaden put out a stat um, the other day as well, said that Dawson's scoring didn't actually change at all from stoppages. It was actually scoring outside of that. I think that had more to do with first season in the midfield. Didn't actually have a pre-season training as a midfield. As we know, he went to the midfield in, in sort of round three, four. So he didn't get a full pre-season in the midfield. First season's captain. The Crows were going along well. They probably didn't need him as much because they other players were stepping up. So I think a few of those factors did relate. And I think that had more to do with the fact he scored a bit lower, more than Crouch coming in. But then obviously you asked me about the CBAs um, this year and, and how you see mid, the midfield mix this year. So I think Dawson's uh, role won't change. I think it's going to be midfield. We saw every when he moved to the midfield last year in round three, um, he ran three and four. He had 62 and 57% respectively. But after that, he only had two games below 60%, C, sorry, below 70% CBAs, which was in round 12 against Gold Coast up in Darwin. Um, and uh, round 21 against Gold Coast again, um, funny enough, uh, at Adelaide Oval. So both those were in Gold Coast, but every other game was over 70%. Laird's locked in. He had the most CBAs of any Crows midfield last year at 79%. So it's those, how's he going to work with Crouch? Is he going to play round one? I think he will. Um, I'd get, be interested to see your take and say, MJ, if you think Crouch play. I think to your contract, I think that they're going to play him. Rochelle, people are talking about him getting midfield. I don't see him playing as much midfield. I think Peddler's ahead of him in that sort of respect. I think Saligo is going to be getting a few CBAs as well. There's been talk about Rankin last year, getting CBAs, obviously had that shoulder concern early in the year. We didn't really see that. I don't see Sloan playing uh, much midfield this year. Obviously, Schoenberg hardly played last year. Same with Sam Berry. So I see it being those main got main three of, of Crouch, Laird and Sloan being, uh, sorry, Crouch, Laird and Dawson being in there. And then a mixture of, of Rochelle and, and Sligo and, and got and Pedler going through there. So, but yeah, MJ, do you think Crouch will play Early in the season, obviously, with the with the new contract he's been given. 
I hope not. <laughs> Matt's a, a, an incredible human being. I had a little bit to do with him for doing some media stuff. He's a great human being, so it's no knock on that. Uh, the reason I say I hope not is if you look at the Crows, they've undergone an incredible painful period of a rebuild. 2020, where it took them three quarters to seven-eighths of a season to get a victory during that COVID-affected year. 2021, again, another painful year. 2022, some slight green shoots. And then last year, finally, it felt like that burden of rebuild was lifting. And now the kids are emerging. If they're going back to the well of a Laird, and Crouch midfield, heavy rotation. What has the rebuild been for? You've done all the hard work. You've had the bad years. You've had the wooden spoon. You've got elite, good young kids that can roll through there. You mentioned a peddler. You mentioned a Saligo. Rochelle in spurts has shown moments. Rankin in, sh- in spurts has shown moments. Barry in 2022 looked like he was coming with a steam train and then kind of jumped off that train in 2023. For me, I think, and again, it's my perspective, if Crouch is in that midfield, I'm not so sure it hurts Dawson's fantasy scoring, which is ultimately what we're looking at. I think the real loser is the Adelaide Crows in the sense that it just means the kids aren't ready yet. And it means the rebuild of the kids taking them to the to the next destiny that they want to be, which is finals. It just means the kids aren't taking them there in 2024 and they need another year to get them there. So that's why, again, to put my Crows hat on for a second, which I don't like putting on too often, um, when you're a a Sydney-based born person living in Melbourne, you don't wear your Crows hat too often, mate. Um, But when I do put it on, um, it would be to go, you want the kids to take you to the next place. You want them to be doing that. And Crouch feels like a perfectly good footballer, a perfectly good clearance winner. And from a fantasy perspective, minimal impact on Dawson. The loser is the Crows because it means the rebuild is not yet ready for the kids to take it to the next level. So for me, that's my slight concern. Oh, yeah, I'm thinking with um, I think Crouch, I think you'll play... If, if I was to put a number on, I think it might be somewhere around that 65, 70, maybe low 70% time ground. I think he will be that guy that sort of comes into pinch hit in the midfield and he'll go, he might start the core on the bench, come on to, like they might start Rochelle or Pedler, like the first CBA of the game, then they'll bring one of them off. Like a lad normally come, again, people know I watch, they're pretty closely. He normally comes off about five or so minutes in the quarter. Then they bring Crouch on, he'll play his stint in the midfield. So I'm thinking that could be the case. But I think that maybe the Crows, they, they enjoy Saligo's work on a wing. They like Rochelle's impact forward of centre. Um, like maybe they're thinking a Crouch came in last year, played well. Maybe they're thinking, well, an older head in there, he gives us a bit more experience and we allow Saliga to blossom on a wing and maybe build on his outside game. Rochelle can still, like he's, he's forward cross great, but he can still sort of mature as a footballer mm. and then get that exposure in the midfield. So that that's something to note. But I do agree if I was taking my fantasy hat off and looking as a crow thing, maybe getting a few guys like your peddlers, Rochelle Sleegas, then there's probably better for the future. But hey, I guess we'll find out in the preseason, won't we, in, uh, in uh, round one? That's the beauty of it. With the way opening round works, as well as through the preseason games, we'll get a really good line of sight on our structures, which means if you think Crouch In impacts a Dawson, well, decision made for you. You see Crouch round one, you know he's going to be playing as an inside mid. I agree with Bales. I don't see Dawson going back into the halfback line outside of to control a quarter late or or to stem the bleeding in a game outside of spurts or to try to shake a tag for five minutes. 
he's in that center bounce midfield. I, I'm 100% with you on that. So if you do believe Crouch hurts Dawson, well, that ultimately unlocks the question for you. For me, even if Laird, Crouch, and Dawson is that core three midfielders, we saw over a, a small six-game sample size, which, again, beautiful stats from Jaden and unpacking from you there, Bales. The, the scoring at clearance, still there. The scoring at spread and second and third touch, is that match dependent? Is that opposition? Is that fixture? Is that weather? There's a lot of unknowns through that. But for me, I'm looking at Dawson as a sincerely strong upgrade option this year, especially if Crouch starts. If there's no Crouch and you're looking for a pathway early to get you through the buys, I don't mind it because he's got a beautiful scoring floor. He's got a ceiling that's as good as anyone, 170s across the format, regular 130, 140s across all of the formats. I'm with you, Baz. I think at some point in 2024, you're going to want to be able to see one Jay Dawson in at least yeah. somewhere in your fantasy side. The question is, are you starting him or you're going to upgrade to him? What are your initial thoughts? Is he a starter for you or are you leaning towards an upgrade for you right now? At the at the moment, I think it's it's an upgrade target. Um, if we get wind of the fact that they are, because we heard Ruscelli come out the other day and say that he would like to play 50-50 um, splits. Obviously, that's just a play. We haven't heard anything from the coach or anything like that yet. So it'd be interesting to see if Nixie says anything with that. But if we get, um, as I said, wind of, of those players playing, I would be a bit colder on Laird and more in favour of Dawson. Because we saw early in the year Dawson put up some big scores when the younger guys were in there because the transition, the Crows were sort of going that the sort of slingshot from defense to forward was really quick with those quick players. in. so I think that favors Dawson. So I think it comes down, I think I'm going to have one of those Crows mids in there with the high stoppages and the number, they were number one last year. So at the moment, I've got Rory Lady in my side and people may say that's bias. I've removed, I've tried removing it as much as possible and look more at numbers. And I think Crouch benefits Laird more. And I don't think it affects Dawson, but I think, Laird being cheaper and benefiting more, I think, is why I'm selecting him. But again, as I said, if Rochelle and guys like that do play more midfield, I think that's when I could sway to starting Dawson because it's not that much. It's only, I think, 40-odd K or not even that. So, yeah, yeah, it's and and I don't know exactly what it is in Supercoach and um, and Dream Team. I don't, it wouldn't be too much either, I wouldn't think. But, um, it's not. it's yeah, it's definitely he's in the mix. He's he's trained with the squad, as we like to say. But at the moment, he's um, probably going to be an upgrade target for me. Fair enough, too. Uh, before we wrap up the episode and get some thoughts about where we can keep in touch with you, draft day is interesting. He's going to go as an M1. Just the fact that he was a top five scorer across all the formats, yet you're not, not getting him as an M1. Question is, is it a mid to late first rounder for you, Bales, or are you thinking we might get lucky, jag him in the early second as we see a lot of rucks and, and potential at least one defender in a Nick Dacos go inside the first round? Where do you think? Late first, oh sorry, late first or early second round for Jordan Dawson. Yeah, it seems to be pretty uh mini monk like this. He always says team dependent, uh draft dependent, I think, for this one. I think that it's it's with the forwards, it's so interesting, so barren that you've literally got Pro McCray, Flanders, Dylan Moore, a couple of those guys up there, but are people really gonna take them in the first round? Probably not. You might get someone that's really bullish on someone, take them early second. But I think Dawson falls in that I think you put it perfectly. I think it's late first, early second. I think most people are going to select him very early in the second round. I think you're going to have the rucks go. Nick Dacos is going to go. You guys like Bontempelli's and 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 those and uh, those big midfields are going to go. I think Dawson could go anywhere from yeah that 
early uh, early second and, and sort of um, uh, late first. But if, hey, if you can get him late second, you'd be pretty happy with that Ooh. as well. Oh, you, you'll love that. It probably means if he is going in that mid to late second, people are probably overvaluing some other positions. They yeah. see the ruck run go. They they panic that they're not going to get that premium defender or they see a, McGra- a McRae type go and they're like, oh, the forwards. Yeah. Great. Let, let the draft come to you if that's the case. Hey, Bales, we always love having you on the 50 Most Relevant. Where can people find you uh, across social media and also the AFL Fantasy Fanatics? Where can we get in touch with the great podcasts and the videos you guys are doing this preseason? Yeah, thanks, MJ. Always always love coming to 50 Most Relevant. It's a staple of my preseason, uh, listening to every day, listening to all the episodes of the 50 Most Relevant. Um, I won't have to listen about this one because I've essentially listened to it now because I've talked about it. So, um, but yeah, you can find me at BalsDT on uh, Twitter slash X uh, and Instagram. Uh, Trinity Bells HD is where you can get around the YouTube stuff uh, where obviously we do our, the, we've got a head-to-head series running at the moment. Obviously going to have potentially one, uh, you on MJ, special guest for, for one of the head-to-head viewers as well. We've got other special guests, which is good. And uh, yeah, AFL Fantasy Fanatics as well. Uh, wherever you get your podcast as well. We do our live Sunday show um, after uh, each round. Um, and also Fridays, a bit of a sort of just a Q&A one, sort of just people last minute trade questions. So uh, get people to jump on and, and ask their questions and have a chat. So yeah, follow us across there. And uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure, MJ, mate. Always good to come on, mate. Uh, mate, love having you on here. If you want to catch up on any of those places where you can get in touch with Bales, either the podcast, the videos, or we can get him on social media and you're like, I missed that. Don't worry. We've got in the description of this episode for you. So you can just go in there, click those links and be able to follow and subscribe and check out some of the great stuff that he and the team at AFL Fantasy Fanatics are doing in the pre-season and in the season proper. If you want to go read the article on Jordan, it is online for you now at coachespanel.tv. If you're enjoying these audio podcasts, well, wherever you you find your podcast you can find the coaches panel just simply search for the coaches panel subscribe and give a five-star rating if you leave a review as an apple podcast listener there's only a couple of weeks left to go but if it's a nice review we'll read you out and give you a shout out during the 50 most relevant so if you haven't done that jump on in we greatly appreciate it and for the 2024 preseason, we thought you know what why not throw these bad boys up on YouTube? So you can go and check that out. The goal is to hit a thousand subscribers before we hit the end of the 50 most relevant. We didn't even have any at the start of the preseason and nearing in on that. So we'd love you to jump in and subscribe and turn the notifications on. So as soon as a new episode drops, which will be every day of the preseason, even after the 50 most relevant, we're dropping stuff every single day. You'll get notified of that straight away. In 30 seconds, I've got a little clue for you about who's next in the 50 most relevant. But if you haven't joined our Patreon fan group yet, you're seriously missing out. The links for it in the description of this episode, but there are a ton of hidden rewards group access that nobody else gets access to. There's brand new Patreon Keeper Leagues that are about to start in-season and pre-season bonuses and access to different panel members that you just can't get as just an average everyday listener, but our Patreons get it. If you want to become a part of the Patreon supporter group, tiers start from as little as two bucks a month. You can jump in. We'd love to have you there. So we're out of the teens. Number 12 in my 50 most relevant. Can you believe we're nearly into my top 10. Have I got any more surprises cooked up? Or is it just the 12 names you think that are there that are left to go? Here's what I'll tell you. If you go back and look through the names of the 50, we haven't touched on the rucks really all that much, have we? Like I think Tristan Cherry was the first one at number 20. We had Rowan Marshall just a few days ago. 
But surely we're talking about the rucks again soon, aren't we? Let's do that tomorrow. We're going to talk about a guy that's been a while since he's been the number one ruck. And when he was the number one ruck, he was one of the best super coach and AFL fantasy scorers we've ever had. But there's some early challenges. He's valued. No one would question that. He's number one ruck. No one would question that. But he's got an early buy. That does make it hard. Is that enough to change your strategy and your structure? Does it change other parts of how you select people? Or do you just go, stuff it, I'm going to pick him. Who's this number one ruck in his team with supreme value and an early buy? You'll find out tomorrow in the 50 Most Relevant.